refreshing skill for the day. Um, and uh, I had my friend Lester, and my friend Lester had said to me, Scotty, I have a computer. And this was like, seriously, it was like, what was it, 1992. So like computers were not everywhere. It was really, really exciting. Um, and, um, and he said, I have this new car racing game on my computer. Come on around. We are going to play this car racing game. It's going to be great. And, and my six-year-old self thought, you know what? We'll only play car racing for, for 10 minutes and I'll get home late and, and mum and dad will never know what happened. It will be totally fine. And, uh, and what I didn't realise at the time is that computers are crazy addictive, eh? Um, like crazy addictive. <laughs> and car racing game. Um, about an hour and a half later, I looked at my little um, Casio watch before they were cool, when they were just like, oh. and, you know, you just walk because that's what it was. Um, I looked at my little Casio watch with its backlit blue display and it said like five o'clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, my parents have been waiting for an hour and a half. Um, and I was thinking to myself, what, what, what am I going to be coming home to? Am I going to be coming home to parents who are saying, um, what the hell have you done? Where have you been? We've been worried sick. Or am I going to be coming home to parents who are like, we are so glad you came home. Like, we're just, we're just <laughs> relaxed that you finally got here. What kind of, what kind of parents was I coming home to? And, and I, was, I was freaking out. And what I ended up coming home to was an absolute beration and uh, the end of cartoons for a week. But I can remember this feeling coming home of being like, what kind of home am I returning to here? What kind of home am I going back to? Um, and I think that that there is one of the dominant questions that we need to ask, answer in regard to God. Mm. And one of our dominant images of God is of God the Father. And as we journey with God, a common question might be, what kind of a father am I coming home to? Mm. What kind of a father am I coming home to? Am I coming home to an angry father? Am I coming home to a distant father? Am I coming home on my knees pleading and groveling for acceptance? Mm. And inevitably, these perceptions of the kind of father that we are coming home to are formed in the experiences of our lives. They're formed in the kind of father we had, the kind of mother we had, the experiences of rejection that we've known in our lives mm. that make us wonder if what is waiting for us at home is safe, is good. Who are you coming home to? And so something Jesus is constantly doing in the Gospels is he is reforming our ideas about who it is that we're coming home to. Mm. Over and over again, he is reforming our ideas about who it is we're coming home to. Uh, Brian Zand said it this way. He said, Jesus did not come to change God's mind about us. He came to change our minds about God. Jesus did not come to change God's mind about us. He came to change our mind about God. In other words, Jesus did not come to us to convince God that we were worth loving, but to convince us that God truly loves us. Mm. The question I want to ask of you this evening as we get into it is I want to ask you, on a bad day, mm. when God has been far from your mind, when you haven't loved your neighbor the best you could, when your best intentions for your time with Jesus got sidetracked, who do you think you're coming home to? Mm. Who do you think you're coming home to? What kind of a God, what kind of a father do you think you're coming home to? So I want to look at three little passages today of where Jesus radically reforms the idea of the father we're coming home to. And the first and most obvious port of call for this is Luke 15 is the prodigal son. And we hear the story of a young man who says to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now so I can go and do what I want with it. 
So he goes far away and he spends his money on drugs and prostitutes and Hillsong albums. And eventually, he <laughs> runs out of money. Whatever. And he finds himself <laughs> in a pig trough, eating next to the pigs. And he wonders, maybe I had it better back home than I have it here. And so he finds his way back home and he is anticipating this father who will be deeply disappointed with him. After all, he disowned his father. Why would his father not also disown him? And he comes and even before he is um, at the end of the driveway, he sees his father coming undignified down the driveway, lifting his robes up about his knees, running down the driveway, wrapping his arms around him, hugging, crying as he hugs him and saying, my son who has lost has been found. He says, kill the best animal, put a robe on his shoulders, put a ring on his finger. My son who was lost has now returned. You know, back in Zeal days when we used to run the youth centre, we used to share different parables all year round. God before and God behind. God for us and God for your own self, maker of heaven and earth, creator of sea and sky, governor of day and night. We give thanks for your ordered gift of life to us, for the rhythms that reassure, for the equilibriums that sustain, for the reliabilities that curb our anxieties. We treasure from you dark uh, days to work and nights to rest. We cherish from you days to control and nights to yield. We savour from you days to plan and nights to dream. Be our day and our night, our heaven and our earth, our sea and our sky, and in the end, our true home. Amen. 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 Him out on the south coast on this like sub-zero day, um, and um and he would worship in his room in our house. And I just remember like his, his worship late into the night would just melt my cynicism, like time after time after time. But he just came to faith and all he wanted to do was listen to Hillsong, listen to Planet Shakers and praise <laughs> Jesus. Um, and gradually, you know, I was, I was worn down. And, um, and but then over time, um, what happened is um, some old habits started to emerge and uh, and we started to see things go missing from around our house. And so we'd sit down and have a chat with him and say, you know, we've noticed this. We're pretty sure it's, some of it's you. And, uh, and then he'd sort of say, oh, I'm sorry. And then it would happen again and we'd have the same chat and he'd say, I'm sorry. And then it would happen again and on and on we went until the relationship broke down. And, and one morning we woke up to find that he'd, he'd gone. Now I didn't speak to him for about two years until... Eventually, one afternoon, we were hanging out down at the youth centre and we had a bunch of our young people around and he randomly just walks in. And I thought, this is strange. And he, he comes in and he starts talking about all this kind of ridiculous, not that interesting stuff to me. He's talking about the latest Xbox game he's bought. Um, this was like six or seven years ago and he had just got into vaping. Um, and he was telling me that he was really, really good at vaping. Um, um, and, um, and it just went on and on. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, things didn't end well between us. Why are you here? And then he gets up to leave. And then just as he's about to leave, he turns back and he said, oh, I, I got a job today. And there was this realisation that without a home to go back to where he knew that that would matter to someone, he had come out and sought out the only people who would give him the homecoming he desired. He had sought out the only people he knew who would find that amazing, who would find that incredible, 
and would speak to the truth of who he was. Mm. He knew there was a home he could return to where his success would be welcome despite all that had gone on before. Mm. So I want to ask you, who do you think you're coming home to? Are you coming home to a furious father who's furious that you wandered or one who is delighted that you returned? Mm. A father furious that you wandered or one who is delighted that you returned? Who are you coming home to? Second passage I want to look at is Luke 11, 11 to 13. It says this, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, isn't it interesting that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus had to convince these people that God didn't want to hurt them? That their default assumption was that if they asked for something that they really needed from God, God would in turn put something poisonous and venomous in their hand. He had to tell them that God wouldn't respond to their requests by torturing them. It's a full-on vision of God, eh? Yeah. The full-on vision of God that when we come to God with our most basic needs, God either says, harden up or tortures us. These people believe that if they ask God for the bare essentials of living, he would respond by putting them in danger. Mm. And it sounds ridiculous, but I'm not actually sure that we're too far from this sometimes, that we've actually moved on a whole lot. Um, I remember a few years ago, same time I was working at Zeal, and I had a boss at the time um, who uh, had briefly made the All Blacks. And he was about six and a half feet tall. Um, he was a prop. Um, and he had this big, deep, booming voice. And I think my like lack of toxic masculinity was just really troubling to him. Like He just really wanted someone who was just like a little bit more like... Um, and, um, and so anything you got wrong, you'd hear this booming voice come out of the office like, Scotty, you girl's blouse, what are you doing? And, uh, and this was kind of my working time with this guy. And um, it, was, it was actually, actually kind of a good guy. Um, but I can remember this one time where um, I, was, I was a terrible employee earlier this year. I don't know how I lasted so long. Um, but I had counted this cash for this program we'd been running. And I left it in the middle of a table uh, and I left it there for two minutes and I came back and the cash box was gone. Mm. And I had a sinking feeling in my stomach that effectively I had just lost about the equivalent of my wage for the next two weeks. Um, and, uh, and, and I looked around for it. I was tearing this place up and down to try and find out where this cash box had gone. And then about half an hour later, my six and a half foot tall boss comes lumbering through into the room and puts the cash box back down in front of me. And, and basically, this had all been some kind of an elaborate lesson that you don't leave things around. And I think for some of us, that's actually not that far from the kind of father that we sometimes think we're coming home to. Mm. Uh, you sometimes hear this when people get into like a hard time of life, they'll say, God is probably trying to teach me something through this. Mm. God is trying to teach me something. As if our whole lives are one big elaborate lesson from this distant teacher who's just going about all these really strange workaround ways for us to learn something <coughs> about him. And you know, like sometimes maybe there is a lesson, but sometimes maybe God's actually just saying, this isn't what I wanted either, but I'm with you and I love you. Mm. And maybe that's enough. Maybe there is not always a lesson. Maybe God is a father more than God is a teacher. 
See, God in uh, Luke 11, Jesus speaks to a God who loves to give us what we ask for. And sometimes God has to reform our hearts so that our desires are good and we know what to ask for. But God has to also reform our hearts to know that he actually wants good things for us. That when we ask for the bare things that we desire, God will not put a scorpion or a snake in our hand. That when we ask of God, it actually delights God to be able to say, yes, I will give you that. Dare to believe that what you want just sometimes might actually be what God wants for your life. Mm. Sometimes what you want for your life is what God wants for you too. So, so I ask that question again, who do you think you're coming home to? A father who gives you what you never wanted or a father who would love to give you good gifts? A father who gives you what you never wanted or a father who would love to give you good gifts? Who do you think you're coming home to? Mm-hmm. Final scripture I want to look at is Matthew 19, 14. Uh, in this passage, the disciples have been showing away all the children who come to Jesus. It seemed that Jesus had this nurturing presence about him where children just felt safe to draw near to him. And Jesus rebukes his disciples. He says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now, why did did the disciples rebuke the children? Well, it's because they thought that Jesus was starting a political revolution and a rebellion. And children couldn't vote and children couldn't take up arms, and children couldn't assist in the revolution. So why would the leader of the revolution waste his time with children? Mm. It was the same attitude at the time towards women as well. And so in Jesus focusing his ministry on those with the least social capital, the women and the children, he shows that this is a different kind of revolution. Jesus is always drawing the children in. Now, one of the recent um, discoveries for me over the last couple of years of, of journeying and, and counselling alongside my counsellor has been um, this discovery around my experience of anxiety and depression. And, uh, and there were a number of things when I was about um, eight to ten in my life that were really incredibly unpredictable. Um, and so what I formed in response to those was, um, was a, a response of anxiety. Um, And and one of the things my counsellor said to me a little while ago was um, anxiety was a really appropriate response to what you were going through at that age. Mm. Now, the problem is I'm now 34. I'm now 29 years later than that, and I still have that response hardwired within me. And I see this sometimes, you know, where someone can say something totally harmless totally meaningless, and then all of a sudden I rack up and this little five or six-year-old jumps out of me. Can mm. anyone relate to this? Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden you're just going along, you think you're totally fine, and somebody says a word, and then all of a sudden the five-year-old in you comes out and you just throw a temper tantrum, whether <laughs> internally or externally. And it's like in a second you become that child mm. who learned a, a series of responses that you actually don't, need anymore in these moments we become these petulant and irrational little kids and i often around that i feel the shame i feel the shame of i should be better than this i shouldn't still be feeling these things i need to grow up and yet recently what i felt god speaking to me is that scripture matthew 19 14 let the little children come to me Mm. come to me in your immaturity come to me in your codependency Come to me in your irrationality. Come to me with your outrageous demands. Come to me as a kid would with sticky hands and a messy face. Let the little children, even the 34-year-old ones, 
come to me. Mm. You know, God is not waiting for you to grow up. He is not the parent who is waiting you f- for you to leave home to finally get a job, to buy a house and finally make something of your life. Mm. That is not the God you serve. The one we serve is the one who says, let the little children come to me. And in fact, some of Jesus' greatest cautions to those in the scriptures were those who didn't know how to find the child within them again. You know, we have this in John 4, the story of Nicodemus, the absolutely onto it religious teacher who knew everything. And Jesus says, the only way for the, to the kingdom for you will be to enter back into the womb and be born again and then begin learning it all again. Mm. Jesus calls us to become as children. And then he says, let the little children come to me. So I want to ask you, who are you coming home to? Is it a father who just wishes you'd grow up? Or is it a father who actually loves the kid you are beneath it all? Mm. Who are you coming home to? Mm. And the reason I I drill on about this tonight is, is because I don't think this just has implications for us. I don't think in the end this is just all about us feeling better. Like, I think God's grace is beautiful, and I do think that is for us. But I think it also has implications for a world who needs to know Jesus deeply. Because part of the good news is that humanity is invited home to a father who loves them. Mm. You know, humanity believes that if there is a God, this God doesn't want to know about them. And part of the good news is that humanity is invited home to a father who is happy to see them, that they are invited home to a home that is good. That runs a father who runs down the path and sweeps them up. And so we become to the world the extension of what this father is like. We become Christ's hands, his feet, his body on earth. And so when they look at us, the church, do they see a people who are furious they wandered or just delighted that they returned? When they look at us, the church, do they see a people who give them what they never wanted, a snake or a scorpion? Or do they see a people who just want to give them good gifts? Mm. When they look at us, the church, are we a people who just wishes they'd grow up? Or are we a people who actually loves the kids they are beneath it all? Mm. And as we head into this time of Pentecost uh, next week, I think this is really important to us. I think sometimes when we come to the Holy Spirit, there is a fear of the unpredictability of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is called like a wind or like water that we do not go where where she comes from and where she goes. And if we've known unpredictability to be a scary thing in our lives, then the idea of this Holy Spirit who could take us anywhere is terrifying. But if we know beneath it all that it is the same Spirit that cries, Abba, Father, that says, I am glad to have you home with me, then we can follow that Spirit knowing that it leads us into a deep homecoming with God and then into the invitation to welcome others home to God as well. Mm. And so what I want to do to, um, to finish with, I want to read you, a, I want to pray a little blessing from Walter Brueggemann over you, and, and this is called Our True Home. Um, and so why don't you close your eyes and hold out your hands, and we will be still for a moment. And as we're still, I just put that question before you again. Who are you coming home to? Who are you coming home to? Who are you coming home to? Mm. 